Okay, good morning, Sweetwater Christian Church, uh, and welcome everybody watching on the live stream. I'm glad that you could join us in worship today as well. I'm Zane Goggins, I'm the pastor here, and I'm glad to be with you to share the love and word of God with you this morning. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord for receptive hearts this morning, so pray with me. God, I ask for eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that receive your love and word this morning. I pray that everything I made up would not be remembered, would not be heard, and I pray that everything that you have to say to us this morning would be received with gladness and joy. We love you, and we ask for the grace to love you more and to shape us more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the last week of our journey into the book of Genesis. Uh, We haven't stayed long in Genesis, just three weeks, and usually uh, a book of this size, 50 chapters, a book of this magnitude and importance, I would want to stay a lot longer in it. Uh, But our purpose for camping out in Genesis for the last few weeks is to find Jesus in the stories of Abraham, in Isaac, and in Jacob. Uh, before we begin the season of Lent uh, this week. And that's what we've been doing. We've been searching for the story of Jesus in their stories. Uh, And this is just something that Christians do. This is something that Christians just do. We, We can't help but look for Jesus because we love him and we want more of him and we want to be like him. And so we look for him especially in our Bibles. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures thinking that in them you have life, but it is they that testify on my behalf. And so he encourages us to look for him everywhere in our Bibles because our Bibles testify about Jesus. They tell us about him. They fill that need that we have to look for him and to love him and to be like him because that is our end goal is to be so infatuated and in love with Jesus that we just want more of him. And the scriptures are written in a way that tell us more about him no matter what page we're on. And so we continue our three-week journey of finding Jesus in Genesis by uh, moving our search to the youngest of the three, the grandson, Jacob. So Abraham, he's the man of faith. We saw him trust God and the unknowns of travel and infertility and age uh, and a testing of his faith. And we saw how he met Christ in a way, a Christ figure in this Melchizedek guy who met him in the valley and brought him bread and wine. And we saw Isaac, last week, how at a very young age, maybe a preteen, he could have also been in his 20s, we don't really know, but his life mirrored that of Jesus when he, uh, and his, he as his father's only son, uh, carried the wood of his own sacrifice up Mount Moriah, just like Jesus did. And so Isaac himself became a Christ figure, a foreshadow of Jesus. And God made a promise to Abraham, you probably remember, and this promise was to give the land of Canaan to his descendants, Abraham's descendants. And so when Abraham dies, God makes that same promise to Isaac. And so Isaac grows up, 
Uh, and he lives in Bir Lahai Roy, a town which is pretty far south of Jerusalem, uh, right between modern-day Jordan and the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, it's, it's a desert region, and he's a bit of a bachelor for a while uh, until he meets Rebecca. And Rebecca is from an area where modern-day Syria meets modern-day Iraq, right between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And so they're separated by long distance, but they ultimately find each other when Isaac is 40 years old. And Rebecca's a little younger. She might be in her 20s. Uh, We aren't really sure. But just like Sarah before her, Rebecca also experiences infertility. There's a continued theme here of God doing impossible things, okay? And so Isaac prays for his wife, Rebekah, and then she conceives twins when Isaac is 60 years old. So we've got more miracle children on the way. Rebekah gives birth to her twins. The first is Esau. He's a hairy little boy. Uh, Genesis calls him red and hairy. He's so hairy that Isaac and Rebekah name him Harry. That's what Esau means. Uh, He's a little Sasquatch boy. He's hairy. And as Esau is being born, uh, his brother, his twin brother, has a hold of his heel as if he's trying to pull him back in so he could be the firstborn. Because being a firstborn in this culture has a lot of benefits that we're about to get into. And so because he's grabbing the heel of his older brother, they name the second boy Jacob, which means heel grasper. Uh, It means supplanter. It's an idiom for deceiver, circumventer. It's not a very nice name. Not that Esau is any better of a name, but at least it doesn't mean deceiver. It doesn't mean heel grasper. It's just like naming your kid jerk or rude uh, or liar. Uh, And it's a common name today. So the next time you see the Jacob in your life, you can tell them how awful their name is. But it turns out, it turns out that that Isaac and Rebekah are really good with names because they get Jacob's character exactly right. Turns out Jacob is a deceiver. Jacob is is one of those people who will use other people to benefit himself. He can't help but live in a way where he's just constantly pulling fast ones to gain something at the expense of other people. That's exactly who Jacob is. And the best example we have of this is later on when Isaac is about to die, Isaac is asking Esau, uh, to go out hunting in order to make him a really nice meal. Maybe, maybe it's a last meal request kind of thing. And so uh, Esau goes out hunting, but Jacob overhears the conversation uh, and formulates a plan. And so uh, while Esau is out hunting, Jacob and Rebecca, because Rebecca actually likes Jacob more, Uh, They make a nice meal before Esau can get back and they dress Jacob up in Esau's clothes and they put goat fur on his arms so that he would smell and feel like Esau would smell and feel. And so Jacob brings in the food. He tells his dad that he is Esau and he, Jacob, goes on to receive the blessing that was supposed to be for his older brother Esau. 
So Jacob uh, deceived his way into a blessing. He conned his brother out of his blessing and conned his dad into blessing him. That's who Jacob is. He leverages relationships. But even though he is imperfect, God still uses Jacob for his purposes of blessing the entire world, of continuing to tell his story. And so we get to a point in Jacob's life where he actually meets God in a dream. Uh, It's a dream that pertains to this blessing that he just stole. So we'll be in Genesis 28, 10 through 17. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. There's Bibles in front of you or under you. If you don't have a Bible, you can have that one. If you want to study the Bible together, email me and we'll set up a time. Uh, Genesis 28, 10 through 17. A little bit of context for this passage. Jacob has his blessing now, uh, and he's off to live somewhere else because Big Red Brother is angry and he wants to kill Jacob for taking his blessing from him. Uh, Because remember, Esau is the firstborn, and the firstborns are supposed to receive blessings and favor and inheritances, but Jacob stole that, and that's where we pick up. Uh, Jacob is the favored secondborn on the run from Esau, uh, but God is about to show him what this blessing looks like. So Genesis 28, 10 through 17, I'm reading from the NRSV this morning. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He went to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth the top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the east and to the west and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever I go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob woke from his, green, from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So before I get into the meat of what Jacob's dream looks like. Uh, I do think it's important to flesh out this newly forming biblical pattern that is happening, that Jacob finds himself in. So remember, Esau is the firstborn. He's supposed to inherit everything, all, all the land and all his dad Isaac's wealth, and the blessing is supposed to be given to him that was given to Abraham that God will give the land to his descendants. That's the normal pattern of life in this culture. Uh, Now we split things up evenly between our children and our wills, but not back in in this culture. The firstborn son gets it all, all of it. Uh, and, And girls were completely left out. It just all goes to the firstborn son. 
But Jacob's story subverts that pattern, where God actually favors the secondborn. And it's not a completely new pattern, but it's pretty new still by the time Jacob's story rolls around. Um, It's a pattern that will also continue throughout the Bible. God has a knack for celebrating and favoring and blessing secondborns, the ones who naturally are unfavored people. And so Jacob's uh, grandchildren will display this pattern. Jacob himself is a secondborn. God chose Joseph uh, rather than his brothers to lead his people. Moses had an older brother, but Moses was chosen to lead his people. David had seven older brothers, but he was chosen to lead God's people. Uh, God chose Gideon, who was the youngest of his family, to deliver Uh, Israel from the Midianites, and God chose Solomon rather than his older brother. God has a history of choosing the second borns, the the disadvantaged ones to fulfill his purpose. And even though Jacob is a deceiver, even though he's a con artist, and even though he leverages relationships even within his own family, even though his character isn't all that great and he's a sinful man, God favors him. Because perfection is not the standard for God's love and favor to be present in your life. It's not. Perfection is an absolute myth. And over and over again, God shows us that perfection is a myth by choosing imperfect second-borns to achieve his purpose. You know, Moses killed somebody. You know, David had somebody killed because he wanted that man's wife. Gideon doubted that God would even help his people. The secondborns have issues, but God actively achieves his purpose through them in spite of their issues in order to show how great he is. That's what a secondborn's role is. Perfection is not the standard for God's interaction in your life. So God interacts with Jacob, the imperfect secondborn Jacob. And he gives him this dream. For what we know, this is Jacob's first encounter with God. Very first encounter with God. And it's in this dream. God likes to talk to his people in dreams when we aren't distracted by the world around us. And a dream is where Jacob first interacts with God. And he dreams of this ladder. Uh, It's probably not the kind of ladder you're going to hang Christmas lights with. It's it's, uh, although that's not totally off the table, it, it's probably more like a large staircase or maybe more like a big dirt ramp. That's kind of the context of the word ladder here. But what the, the shape of the ladder doesn't really matter. It's what's going on on the ladder that matters. And this ladder, it goes all the way up to heaven and there's traffic on it. There's, there's activity. There's, there's comings and goings on this ladder. Uh, the, and these beings are, are freely moving up and down the ladder. In Hebrew, they're called the malak. Uh, we just call them angels. And these beings, are, their job is to carry God's messages from earth to heaven, mediators of God's will. That's what angels are. They're mediators of God's will from heaven to earth. And they're freely going up and down this ladder. Uh, and so now... Now there's this ladder, there's this connection between heaven and earth, a a ramp, a connection. 
And as the Lord stood beside Jacob in this dream, he retells the blessing that he gave to his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. But this time the Lord is blessing Jacob. He's given the same thing to Jacob. And of course, Jacob's going to listen. Remember, he's the kind of guy who likes to receive a blessing. Doesn't matter how he gets it. And the Lord says that the land that he is sleeping on will be the home for all of his offspring and all the families of the earth will be blessed. So somehow, this is the explanation of the dream. This connection between heaven and earth is the conduit of blessing for the entire world. It's the conduit of blessing for his descendants. It's the conduit of blessing for you and for me. This is the interpretation of the dream. This ramp, this connection between God and people is the blessing. And so where do we find Jesus here? How does a dream about a ladder and a stolen inheritance give, uh, given to a second born lead us to the story of Jesus Christ? How, how is Jacob a prefigurement of Jesus. So I'll spoil the fun a little bit and I'll say that there's two, there's two answers. There's two answers. One of the answers is a little more apparent and the other answer is just a little more hidden that we got to work a little harder, uh, spend a little more time on to, in order to realize it. So we'll start with the apparent answer in this text. At the beginning of the book of John, the gospel of John, going back to the New Testament, Jesus is gathering up 12 people who would become his disciples, the people who would follow him during his earthly ministry. Um, And Jesus finds his first disciple who's hanging out with John the Baptist, and his name is Andrew. That's Jesus' first disciple. And and Andrew has a brother who's who's standing there next to him, and his name is Peter. His name is Simon, but his his name is going to become Peter later on. And so... uh, He's the second disciple, Peter. And then they go to Galilee and Jesus picks up a third disciple and his name is Philip. And Philip knows a guy who he thinks would have a lot of fun with this whole Messiah thing. And so he goes off and he finds his buddy, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Nathaniel is skeptical. He hears what Philip is saying, but he's not buying it. He's the one who famously says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? His own disciples said that about him. So Nathaniel needs some convincing to join this Jesus guy. And so Jesus comes to meet with him because Jesus never shies away from a skeptic. He always welcomes a skeptic and meets them where they're at. And so Jesus meets Nathaniel, whose name means God has given. And Jesus gets... uh, He goes on to tell Nathanael that before Philip ever told him about him, uh, Jesus says that he saw Nathanael under a fig tree. He saw him somehow in a different place in a different time. And we don't know what was going on under the fig tree, but but this knowledge is enough for Nathanael to say, wow, you are the son of God. Only the son of God would know something like that. But Jesus kind of pushes back on him a little, and he starts to raise Nathanael's expectations. And he says to him, are are you only saying that because I saw you under a fig tree? Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
This is a theological move by Jesus. This is an interpretive move. What he's saying to Nathanael is really profound. He's saying that the dream that Jacob had in the field near Haran uh, is telling us about something, that connection between heaven and earth, that ladder is more than an idea or a future reality, but that ladder, that connection is a person, a son of man. It's a person, this ladder is. The blessing for the entire world is that there's a person who reestablishes the connection between God and humans. He's like a ladder where all the messages of and about God flow through. Humans no longer have to stay low in a petty life of, of self because Jesus is the ladder by which we ascend to God. He's the mediator, the barrier remover. Uh, he, uh, he is the connection. And Jacob really did encounter God in his dream. He encountered Jesus. He just didn't know that it was Jesus. Just like Abraham didn't know he met Jesus in Melchizedek or how Isaac mirrored the life of Jesus in his sacrifice. But this latter dream was an encounter with Jesus. And we see in Jacob's dream that Jesus is the one who establishes all correspondence between heaven and earth. Jesus is the mediator between God and people and the blessing to all people on earth, the connection between heaven and earth. That is who Jesus is. That's the more apparent answer. That's how Jesus more apparently shows up in Jacob's story. And there's another answer, an answer that's a little more hidden one you got to dig a little deeper for. And it's one that has to deal with Jacob's inheritance. So we've established this pattern in the Bible where uh, the social order of the firstborn son inheriting everything is basically flipped on its head and God favors the secondborn, the, the ones who aren't lucky enough to get an inheritance. Well, in Jesus, this pattern is sort of disrupted. Uh, it, it gets turned back into proper order, actually, where the firstborn actually receives the inheritance like it should be. So uh, let, me, let me take you to one of my favorite passages to show you what I mean. This is Colossians 1. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, so that we might come so that he might come to have first place in everything. And there's, there's five more passages in the New Testament that, that emphasize Jesus as the firstborn because Jesus is breaking this pattern of the firstborn getting cut out of their inheritance because Jesus is the firstborn. Because Jesus is God's only son before all time, he is the firstborn of all creation. 
and he is the firstborn from the dead because we are the secondborn. He says you must be born again in order to inherit eternal life. We must die to ourselves, be reborn in this sacrament of baptism and be identified with him, something that he did first by being baptized by John. And Paul says that if we share in a death like his, then we will share in a resurrection like his, something he did first by dying on the cross and being raised to life because Jesus is the firstborn and we are the secondborn. We are the inheritance that Jesus obtains by being the firstborn. And Jesus is the favor and the blessing that we receive by being the secondborn. Jesus is our mediator, yes, but Jesus is also the blessing of the entire world. He is the blessing for all of us second-born Jacobs, deceivers and self-preservers and relationship leveragers, imperfect people who God chooses to carry out his purposes in. Perfection was never the standard of God's work in our lives. It's always just been being about, it's always been just being a second born. That's what it's always been about. The position that you and I find ourselves in right now. So through this series, uh, we've looked for the story of Jesus in the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and in In Abraham, we see Jesus in the middle of our unknowns, traveling with us in our uncertainty, bringing us himself in bread and wine. In Isaac, we find God telling his overarching story for the world uh, while working in our individual lives. And the story that he's telling is Jesus, the only plan that has ever existed for the entire world. And here we find Jesus in a dream as our mediator, the connection between God and human beings. But we also find ourselves in his servant Jacob, the favored secondborn who experiences the blessing for the entire world in spite of his imperfection. This is the story of Jesus in the story of Jacob. Let's pray, and then we'll have communion together, okay? God, we love you. We thank you that you have put us in a position to be people who you favor, people that you, uh, that you love to bless, that you give blessings to, inheritances to. God, we thank you that we are Jesus' inheritance. Father, shape us more into his image so that his inheritance is more and more beautiful every day. We love you. We ask for the grace to love you more in the name of Jesus Christ, our older brother, our friend, our Savior. Jesus, amen.